Welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. This podcast started with me just kind of interviewing my friends, and now we're at a point where I'm interviewing people who inspire me. Every week you are going to hear how someone else identifies with the feeling of not fitting in and success. So let's just hop into the episode and thank you for all of your continued support. Hey weirdos, I want to share something with you I've been doing for a couple of months now. It is called Forbidden Bingo with my friend, DJ Rockstar Aaron. We are both from Denver. Uh, Great human. Something that they put on virtually out of the kindness of their heart every week. And I'm just going to start by saying it's 18 plus, just so you know. Um, but it's Forbidden Bingo. Forbidden Bingo is so much fun. You can play it in person if you live in Colorado or if it plays other places, or you can play it virtually online every Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Wow, I'm bad at time zones. But you know what? Just go to ForbiddenBingo.com, grab your tickets, and tell DJ Rockstar Aaron and Rich and all the other people that are playing that I sent you. That's ForbiddenBingo.com and unofficially, officially sponsors this podcast. Oh my goodness, I am so excited to announce that of merch, it is my 90s fantasy, and I just have to say thank you to my friend, dear, dear friend, Lara, who is the second guest ever of my podcast. We just celebrated one year of the podcast. We now have a lovely website. She helped me help computer, uh, and uh, so if you want to live your 90s fantasy, we've got mugs, we've got blankets, we've got fanny packs, we're, we're working on a denim jacket. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. So go to please don't kick me slash shop and buy some merch, y'all. This week's episode features Johnny Crowder. Johnny Crowder is a mental health advocate and CEO of Cope Notes, as well as a musician, a tattoo aficionado, and all sorts of other great things. It's a really great episode. I hope you enjoy it. This is part of the collab camp series that I am doing to clear out my backlog and give these creators a place to shine. So hopefully you enjoy it. And yeah, happy Monday. How's it going? I am having an honestly really good day because my sister made cookies for no reason whatsoever. Ooh. And that is not a common thing. So it changed my whole mood for the day. I'm um, pumped. I feel that. And it's also a Friday, right? So Friday. Um, oh, yeah. Today, yeah. So to my listeners, uh, this is a Please Don't Kick Me Out, the podcast about imposter syndrome. And the lovely, awesome, energetic voice you're hearing on the other end is Johnny Crowder. Johnny, would you like to give your elevator pitch, who you are, what you do, et cetera? Sure. My name is Johnny and I like sneakers and I like cars and I like ice cream and dogs. And I run a mental health tech company called Cope Notes and I'm diagnosed with schizophrenia and bipolar and OCD. And I sing in a metal band and I have a dog named Pepperoni Pizza. Oh my God. I have a tattoo of a pepperoni slice on my, on my wrist. So I'm <laughs> obsessed with your dog. Like, 
the top eight facts that came to my oh, mind. I love it. Okay. We were meant to be friends, clearly. Um, I'm so <laughs> excited to have you on this, uh, on the podcast. Um, I really think you have a unique perspective, some really great um, insight for my listeners and just kind of like your story is just so powerful. So I'm really excited, but let's go back to this dog named pepperoni pizza real fast. My husband is deployed. He's very bored and he's on a ship floating in the middle of the ocean. So we were talking about like, we have a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, which you saw before we pressed record. We're talking about, oh, like what other dog names? Because we, we've always said we want to get another dog. His name's Bourdain. We want to get another dog and name it Fieri, like Guy Fieri. Like that yes. Is great, right? But then also like, I just really love the idea of food names for pets. So we were just talking, he, he like threw out like ciabatta and all this. And oh, that's good. pizza is such a good name. I was like, Dude, dang. <laughs> her name is literally pepperoni pepperoncini peppercorn pizza junior what kind of dog it's a golden retriever oh my god very very young uh, i think she's five months right now oh welcome to the pandemic puppy raising support group <laughs> yes can i take your order it's um i we got our puppy in uh well he's nine months now and there was a point where i was like what did i do this oh yeah that's i'm still worst. in that point <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my lord, what is wrong with you? <laughs> he's he's so much better, and I'm so glad I have him. But like, there's a time where I'm like, he's doing this. Is this normal? Do dogs do this? Like, because I oh yeah, I've you got to Google everything. There. Yeah, you got to Google everything. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. So to to hop back into like imposter syndrome and all of that, um, I am really interested to hear if maybe like you like all of my other guests feel the same way. Um, but do you feel like you have it all figured out? Uh, totally. No <laughs> questions about anything. I'm rocking it. 2020 was perfect. 2021 is starting off perfectly. Um, no, I, I think there's actually something kind of refreshing about being able to admit out loud. Like I full on don't know what the heck is happening. Mm -hmm. Like exactly 50% of the time. And the other 50% of the time I just learned what is happening. You know, like I'm finally starting to strike that balance between being confident about my ability to do some things while feeling totally overwhelmed in other aspects of daily life. Oh yeah, I, I totally feel you there. And I think like, it's it's refreshing. You're right to just be like, dude, no one has it figured out. I don't have it figured out. Like, that's okay. Like I'm, I'm learning as I go, like learning by proxy. Um, and I, And I just like feel like if someone was to come on my podcast and be like, I know the key to life. I'd be like, you're boring. Cause like, like what well, else you, you just discover, right? Like you, you would need to like dissect their brain and right. figure out like where they're hiding their unicorn horn. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think like, I found such a more like authentic strive and drive from people in the last year to just kind of like figure out their brains and mental health and, and kind of, Oh, this isn't the career that I want to do anymore. Like, so I'm going to do this. Um, so, so I think it's, I think it's great to kind of, you know, just be like working as you go. And so I love that answer. So Dude, let's, I, yeah. I definitely, I want to say real quick, something that like having virtual meetings taught me mm -hmm. is that the people that I was nervous about meeting with, like, you know, I'd go meet this healthcare executive in their office. Cause I'm mm -hmm. trying to get their, their insurance company to roll out cope notes to like 5 million people. And when you meet them in this big office, you're like, oh, crap, what am I doing here? Like, do I even belong here? And then when you meet them virtually, they're like in their house and their kids are running around and they're like, hey, sorry if you can hear my dog barking. I'm like, holy crap, you're a person too. Like, you don't know what's going on either. 
yeah. it's like, it's really humanized a lot of intimidating people in my eyes. And it's helped me realize that like, everyone's kind of metaphorically looking for the manager. Even the managers are. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think like that's something that this podcast and podcasting has taught me as well is um, that I, is that just like, there's no reason um, to be afraid. Like we're all people. Um, and because of that, I've just felt that um, I've been able to uh, like humanize people a lot more and um, really understand their struggle because like, like they're all just wearing, you know, sweatpants from the bottom down anyway, like I am 99% <laughs> of the time. So it like the things I was nervous about and the people that I was nervous about, you just kind of realize over time that they're just really people. Like we all, we all are people. Um, and like, you know, there's just no reason to be intimidated by anyone because everyone at the end of the day is human. Um, but it's been interesting too, to kind of see, see the, the layers peeled back and seeing a more human and authentic society based on us all having to be in our houses. Yeah. My, my favorite, uh, go-to saying when people ask me about like humanity and vulnerability and like, if I ever get overwhelmed, what do I think of? And I just think of the phrase Beyonce burps. And I'm I like, wow, that. that's right. Like we are all human beings. Like it doesn't matter what you've accomplished or how much money you have or what you've built. It's like at the end of the day, we are all experiencing a lot of common aspects of humanity. And it helps me stop building these really big walls between me and other people, you know? Yeah. I think, I think that's the key to kind of like taking down your barriers and your walls is really just like reminding yourself that like, you know, you don't like you're seeing everyone's highlight reel and like, you know, you don't know what's behind the scenes. And it's just, it's, it's, it's like the, you're not gonna be able to get where you need to go if you're in your own way. And like, that's kind of like this powerful thing that I've been learning is like, especially through therapy. My therapist is amazing. Shout out to Justina. Um, but she's like, you know how often you're in your own freaking way? Like who told you, you can't do something? Who told you that like, this is going to happen? Like, and I'm like, oh yeah, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the common denominator. <laughs> maybe it's a me problem. <laughs> um, but imposter syndrome, like this podcast has been so cathartic because I think it's helped to make re people realize that like, we all feel this way um, in some way, shape or form that it's like a very human emotion, similar to the fact that we're all human and we all burp, you know? Um, so do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome in what ways? And what does imposter syndrome mean to you? Wait, what was the first part of the question again? Do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome? I feel like I experience imposter syndrome. I don't know that it's as much of a suffer thing as it mm -hmm. used to be for me. Um, I think I'm definitely aware of experiencing that. And for me, imposter syndrome is kind of like, um, it, it makes me think of this. I think it was a newspaper cartoon, like one of those political cartoon type drawings. Mm -hmm. And it was a bunch of stick figures in a yoga class and everybody was doing, uh, crap not downward dog what's the one where you bend your back out oh uh, i have i have no idea i'm not a yogi floor. but, I but there's some they're all doing this same yoga pose hands on the floor with their chest out and they're all they all have these thought bubbles that mm -hmm. lead to one big thought bubble that says i must be the only idiot in here who has no idea what they're doing so it's like a hundred people 
doing the exact same yoga pose, all thinking that they're the person who's doing it wrong. Right. And I think that when I think of imposter syndrome, I think of that, like everyone is constantly, whether consciously or subconsciously, everyone is constantly questioning whether or not they actually belong where they are. Um, and whether that is justified or unjustified is kind of irrelevant because it's not a logical thought to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel it in so many facets of my life. I, I, it's not as often anymore. And I think I agree with you. I don't really suffer from it anymore. I'm not the authority on imposter syndrome. I'm also not a mental health expert by any means, but I, I I've noticed that it, it's like, when I just feel like I'm like the sore thumb in the room or, or like, oh, these people aren't going to want to be my friend or, or, you know, oh man, I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, there's so many aspects of my life and I truly do not know what I'm doing. Like I help out on my commands, uh, family readiness group. Um, I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) and that's okay. And I'm doing my best, but, um, you know, I feel other than, or I feel like I don't fit in when it comes to being like a military spouse, but then actually I, I really do fit in. I have found kind of a community. It's just kind of like, you have to talk yourself out of it. Like it's, it's hard to remind yourself that like, okay, everyone else is feeling this too. Like everyone else is thinking the same thing. Um, and like, you know, (laughs) the worst thing's not going to happen. So it's like having to like psych yourself up and remind yourself that too. I remember a conversation that I had with my sister, maybe three or four years ago. And um, at that point I had been playing live music, like performing music in a live setting for almost 10 years, Um, like on tour six months or more per year, signed to a label like CDs and Best Buy and Target. Like it was my life. It wasn't like a hobby. It was like a full-time career. And, um, I mentioned offhand to her that I didn't consider myself to be a musician. And she asked why. And I said, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not making a living doing this. Like, yeah, I'm working full-time doing it, but this is not, you know, you don't make enough to actually pay your rent and pay your bills and stuff as a musician. It's just kind of not how it works in the streaming era. Um, And she said, so if you met somebody who had played live music for 10 years and toured, you know, I'd played a thousand shows and been every city in the US, you know, 15 times and does three full North America tours every year and has a million plus streams on Spotify. If you met someone like that, would you call that person a musician? And in my head, I was like, yeah, person has been doing music a lot. And it kind of showed me that there would always be part of me that would disqualify myself no matter what, like mm-hmm. no matter what I achieved, let's say, I was earning a living as a musician, but I'd say, well, yeah, but we don't have a million monthly listeners. And then if we had a million, I would say, well, we don't have 10 million monthly listeners on Mm -hmm, Spotify. Like mm -hmm. there would always be a move of the goalpost that would allow me to disqualify myself. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I feel that with being a podcaster. Like if you ask me what I do, like I don't say like I it, it might be like the last thing I say, like, oh, and I have a podcast about imposter syndrome. Like, I, it's not the first thing I'll tell you. Um, and like something that I've tried to work on is like learning to accept my own accomplishments for sure. Because like I have, like I tell people stories of things I've done and stuff and they're like, what? Like you did that? That's so cool. And then like immediately kind of like you, you know, you just disqu- credit yourself or you disqualify it. You're like, well, it's not that cool. Or like, it didn't really, you know, didn't it, it, it like the goalpost should be bigger or whatever. And so like with this podcast, like 
I sometimes don't feel successful with it because like it's it like I maybe make like you know a dollar off of it but Mm -hmm. also like I see these other podcasts and they're just starting out and they have merchandise and websites and they're doing this that and the other and I'm like comparing myself to their podcasts and their streams and their downloads when really like I have dedicated listeners who love this podcast love me for some reason I'm not that great but they love me <laughs> and they love no, they love hearing no, my they love hearing my listeners right we're so like going back exactly you're gonna you're gonna edit out that part where you <laughs> no. say <laughs> I don't know I I just I have this personality that like anything that I like not necessarily job wise but anything like uh virality wise like a great example was I was just recently on the Drew Barrymore show in the virtual audience and Drew gave me $500 because my dog was cute for Christmas. That's like, freaking nuts. <laughs> what a crazy sentence to say to somebody. No, I, I was like, it doesn't even sound normal coming out of my house. Sentence. Yeah. Like it was weird. <laughs> um, or like Demi Lovato was my Lyft driver. Cause I took so many Lyft rides in Denver. So just like things like that. And I tell people these stories and they're like, what? Like, what? How? And I'm like, I don't know. I just have that personality that like, it's magnetic. People are like, she's a goofball, put her on TV. Um, so I don't know why I never like did much else with it besides start a podcast, but here we are. Dude, here's a question for you though. Uh-huh. Now I'm going to flip the script. I want to ask you a question. If you met somebody who ran a podcast and had recorded almost 50 episodes on their podcast, is that person a podcaster? Yep, they are. <laughs> uh oh, some better tell Bianca. <laughs> I know, right? Like, but but uh, yeah. I just it's funny. It's funny how like you know we are, or at least maybe me. And I am a child of like abuse and trauma, so like I mm-hmm. think I'm like very quick to discredit, disqualify, and diminish my accomplishments because like I just kind of like that was my life. Um, so we're working on it. Justina and I are working on it. Um, I've been going to therapy almost for a year now. And I was such a person that was advocating for mental health. Like you, like, you know, go to therapy, go to therapy. But I myself like never really understood like how good it is when you have like a mental health professional in your, in your corner that like advocates for you and listens to you and like can empathize with you. Um, and so I got really lucky that like my first try, um, out of the park was my, uh, was my, that my current therapist, I'm gonna be really sad when I have to like leave California and I can't have her as my therapist anymore. It's a bummer. But, um, but that's like, I've just learned so much about like my brain and how it works and how like I was kind of always in my own way and shooting myself in the foot because of like certain inner child things. Um, and I'm, I'm a huge advocate now of like, just if you can afford therapy or if you can, you know, find a way to like get it or take care of yourself. It's just such a good, good thing. It's a good thing to practice. Oh yeah. Yeah. I did have a question for you. So you, you were a musician, um, and you're, you're, you were touring all over. I'm from Denver. Did you ever tour in Denver? Oh yeah. Which venues? Trying to think is summit in Denver. Yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah. We're Summit. Summit was downtown. Yeah. I know where that Summit. is. What are some other venues in Denver? Uh, okay. We have like a bunch. Uh, Summit, I am very well, I'm very familiar with Summit. Um, there was uh, Larimer Lounge. Oh, There's, we played Larimer. Larimer is pretty cool. That was a pretty cool mm-hmm. venue. I liked that one. Um, I'm trying to think like where else. Oh, we had the Gothic, the Bluebird. 
obviously Red Rocks. Um, oh, I've never played Red Rocks. No, that's, that's on my that's bucket a pipe list. Dream. Uh, and it, I have, it's so weird moving to California. Cause like people are like, man, I want to see a show at Red Rocks. And it's like, you don't realize how much like you take that for granted when you live in Colorado. Oh, yeah. Um, but I got to see so many cool shows there. Uh, Fillmore, the Ogden, the Gothic, I said the Gothic, but I don't think I've ever really played. Cool. Wait, what does the Gothic look like? Um, it's like kind of an Inglewood. So it's like outside of the city, like outside of like a downtown. So it's like out there and it's, it's, it's got this like mid mod kind of like 1920s look and feel to it. Like it's like an old theater with like balconies. I think we have played there. I don't think we've played the Ogden though. That doesn't sound familiar. Yeah. I used to, I used to love to go to shows. I miss it. I mean, as a, as a musician currently, I mean, like, what are you guys doing to stay afloat during the pandemic? Well, honestly, a lot, we've seen a lot of artists try to um, do a lot of live streaming stuff and we're doing Q and A's and all this stuff. And as, as artists, we kind of looked at each other as a band and we were mm -hmm. like, what is going to provide the most value for our fans? Mm -hmm. And we decided collectively that simply writing music and recording it and building our discography would be the most important thing. Like, think about it. Any artist, the most, the best thing you can do as an artist is to create art and share it. Like, yeah. that's kind of your whole thing. So we looked at this year and we're like, we could try to do like virtual stuff or we could spend this year trying to build to write as many good songs as possible so that when things come back we have all of these gifts for our fans so we we dropped two songs last year um we have a lot more that we're hoping to drop this year we have plenty recorded it's just of all the things that we consider doing and all the stuff we see bands doing mm -hmm. it seems like the highest value thing we can do is give people music you know I love that. I, I, that makes me really happy. Like as someone who, you know, has complete fandom for so many random things, like, like when I'm, one of my artists will drop music, it just means a lot. Cause I'm like, yes, I'm going to, this is a bop. I'm putting in a repeat. Um, and I, so I think it's great that you guys are like really thinking about like what would bring someone joy or what would bring your fans, you know, some, some happiness in this time. So I love oh, that. Yeah. Dude, it's what, not, yeah. I, I mean, real quick, not to rant. I don't want to camp out on this, but like, think about it. How many music fans are like, oh, I hope that my favorite artist makes a, a COVID mask with their logo on it. It's like, no, the people want music. Like, don't, <laughs> don't spend your time on stuff that won't provide as much comfort for people as music will. Exactly. You know? Yeah, I know. I 100% agree. So walk me through this. How did we become a healthcare CEO? Like what was the, I mean, you're still, you're still a musician. You're still part of this band, but like what, what brought you there? Yeah. They want to talk about imposter syndrome. <laughs> I, th that's the part that trips me out is like, I'm a, I am a CEO. I'm a healthcare tech CEO. And meanwhile, I have a face tattoo and listen to death metal. And I I'm right now I'm sitting on an exercise ball. <laughs> you know, the, the background I have, I have model Ferraris and Lamborghinis on my desk. Like I, there are so many things about me that I'm just like, this is totally antithesis to any like CEO stereotype I have in my head. Mm -hmm. But then I do legit CEO stuff 24 seven. So it kind of like trips me out to think yeah. that 
I'm actually fulfilling the role. But honestly, I've been volunteering in the mental health space for, for literally over a decade. So mental health has always been important to me. I grew up with multiple mental illnesses. I went to school for psych. I was in treatment for 10 years. So this is like a lifelong passion for me. But before Cope Notes, it was all volunteer based, mm -hmm. like all like constantly volunteering, doing peer support, public advocacy. And then I got to the point where a previous project I was working on, volunteer project, couldn't scale. So I made Cope Notes, which was a more scalable version of that peer support resource. But um, I was going to make it a nonprofit, like do a 501c3 and all that stuff. And um, I met with a nonprofit lawyer and she said, oh no, you, you don't want to make this a nonprofit because you are going to have to pivot. You're going to have to make a lot of really fast changes because this is tech. Like laws change all the time. Policy, privacy policies change all the time. You're going to need to make like really big changes to what you do regularly. Like a couple times a week, you're going to have to make a big structural change. And if you're in a nonprofit, you need all this paperwork and so much red tape and it'll take forever to make changes. So she was like, I think you should just make it an LLC. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And then I made it an LLC. And in that moment, I became a CEO, like by virtue of just a legal title, but it didn't really start feeling like a true CEO role until, until I quit the job that I was working to run this full time. That's when I was like, oh my Lord, what have I done? Mm-hmm. It's scary. I mean, I, I started an LLC when I was trying to freelance and like, it's, it's, it's scary when you like stop and you try to like, be like, but pay me money, you know, <laughs> like, like this is a value question mark. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. Really it's scary. Especially I think something that really freaked me out. Like if I was running an LLC by myself, I'd be like, yeah, well, it's kind of like I was freelancing only now there's more paperwork, but then when I started like doing contracts, like right now, Cope Notes contracts with the government. Oh, like we have we have contracts with state and local government. Like I have to meet with governors and like health advisors and budget managers, and I'm like, what? How did this happen? This was a passion project for me, and now I have to get like background checks and I have to file a bunch of paperwork at the federal government. It's like it feels so intimidating and yet it doesn't because I'm still getting to do mental health stuff, which is what I wanted to do the whole time. So in a weird way, it feels very natural somehow. Yeah. Well, I love that. I mean, I'm excited, I'm excited to like learn more about it and, and all of that. And I mean, I think it's, you know, great what you're doing. I think like, um, something that's, I've always known because I worked on a project for this back in when my career started and 10 years ago, um, is that, um, mental health, especially men in mental health, um, a lot of the time it ends very drastically, um, because there has been such a stigma to not talk about our brains and our feelings and the way we feel. And so my husband's in the military and, um, he himself will advocate for his sailors to go if they need it, to talk to someone if they need it, to, um, go talk to the ship counselor or whatever, because it, that's, 
now been destigmatized. It used to be a career ender and now it's destigmatized. So I think we're working towards a more normalized society because like my, my parents, like my mom, she doesn't believe in therapy. She doesn't believe in, you know, anything. And I mean, even my mother-in-law, like she won't even refer to a therapist or a mental health. Like she calls it a counselor. It's like, no, it's a therapist. Like, <laughs> you know, like don't, don't degrade her title <laughs> or whatever, but you know, like, it's just, it's, it's not normal for them. I mean, and so like, I, I think there's a beautiful thing that's happening with millennials and Gen Z and like the newer generations that they're just being like, okay, well, I'm going to figure out like why this happened or I have trauma. I'm going to work through it. Like, I think that's beautiful because I think we're going to have such a cooler society when we are old. <laughs> yeah. I think about that. Like I just had a, a an interview earlier today for some radio station in California and they were talking to me about, so the, the host of the radio show was like 60 something. And he said, it's so funny hearing you talk about mental health being in your twenties. Cause he was like, when I was in my twenties, there's no way that a man is going to start talking about how he's feeling and how he's depressed and discouraged and how, you know, he was like, you just got to like suck it up. That was the whole culture. And he, and he kind of did allude to like, you know, what the heck are our kids going to be like, like 20, 30 years from now, what oh, yeah. is that culture? If we continue to open up and be honest and be vulnerable. And I told him like, can you freaking imagine if every parent alive right now started being open and honest and real with their kids, like what type of humans that would cultivate? Oh, like, yeah. those would be superhumans. I know. And I, and I kind of like, I'm, I like that. I like that idea because I think like for the first time in a long time, I think like collectively we, as United States of people, we've collectively breathed a sigh of relief, but also like that work's not done. It's just beginning. Like, oh, so, yeah. you know, this pandemic has kind of been like a roller coaster. Like I've seen the best and the worst of people. Um, I've yeah. seen, you know, great creative strives. And I've seen people just literally get canceled because they're terrible. And it's, it's, it's like, we're almost like, at least people in my camp, if you're in my camp, if you're part of like me and my group, like you are a person that is very inclusive and forgiving and, you know, like loving. And, and like, I try to live my life every day. I don't set resolutions. I set intentions every year. I try my, and my intentions always just be a good person. Like, just be a good person, like do what's right, do what's best, you know, lead with your heart, you know, stick to your morals. Um, but I just, I, I think like, we're going to have such cool kids. Like I'm not having children, so I don't get to contribute to this, but I'm, my friends are going to have kids and I'm like, they're going to be so cool. <laughs> Dude. Well, that's, that's something that I'm finding some solace in too. Cause like I'm, so I'm 28 and a lot of my friends, dude, this past week, mm -hmm. uh, one of my good buddies, just found out that his wife is pregnant and another buddy just closed on a house and I'm 28 and I'm thinking, Oh no, am I late? Like no. I'm single. I don't have kids. I don't have a house. And there's something so relieving about knowing that you can still impact future generations. If you don't have kids of your yeah. own, because yeah. I think about the people who have really, really impacted my life, dude, like that I will always remember and they weren't my parents, like no offense to my parents, but you know, I had an uncle who never had any kids 
and I'll remember him for my whole life. He's like a legend in my eyes and he never had kids. So knowing that you can still influence the next generation without having kids of your own is a relief because then the timeline is removed. Yeah. And, and like, just to talk about that for my listeners, I think I've touched on it before, but, um, just because I don't choose to have children doesn't mean I don't like kids. It just (laughs) means that I like freedom and money. (laughs) Bro. And sleeping in. What? (laughs) My uncle said to me that same uncle, his name is uncle Lamar. And I was like, you know, he and his wife go on a trip every year and they go somewhere Mm -hmm. crazy, right? Like they go to the Ukraine or they go to Vietnam or something. I mean, it's nuts. They go a different place every year. And I was like, kind of being straight up with him this most recent time I saw him, I was like, not trying to sound rude, but like, how the heck do you afford doing that? Cause they both have very normal jobs. Actually, my aunt doesn't even work anymore. So yeah. they have like super, super normal, like meager income. And I was like, how do you do that? And he pointed to uh, my nephew and he goes, I don't have one of those. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my Lord, that makes so much uh, sense. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I have nephews. I have two nephews. I love mm-hmm. them very, very much. Um, one of them is turning six this weekend. I'm not going because they have a 99% infection zone and I don't feel comfortable with it. Holy crap. And Le- Los Angeles, like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, and we're, and I'm in an area where it's 96%. So I don't leave my house. Um, and it's wow. not because I'm afraid or whatever. It's just that I have a friend that's currently pregnant. I don't want to I, I like I, she's in my circle enough that I don't want to like bring anything into it to impact her and and whatnot but um you know and as much as I love my nephews and as much as I love my friends kids I'm like I can leave and give you back and it's great and I like a great example for me is I'm a huge Disney stan most people who are who have childhood trauma really love Disney I am a Disney adult I'm not ashamed Did to say, you say it. you're a Disney stan Disney Stan, love it. I love that. Just love it. I am obsessed with a goofy movie, like so much. Like I just love yeah. a goofy movie. Powerline Power is everything. Yes. There yes. we go. Oh my gosh. That's why I play death metal now. Powerline right? inspired. Oh, he's that movie is so good. Um, but but I I just I whenever I go to Disneyland, it's like I see these parents and they just look miserable and their kids are like crying and having a meltdown. Meanwhile, I'm like fast passing to ride whatever the fuck <laughs> I want. Yeah. Like, (laughs) but I just, I I think like to go back to your point of like, you know, like, okay, my friends bought a house or like, you know, they're 28. I felt that way when I was like 27 or so. Um, A lot of my friends started getting married and, and some of them were starting to have children and I'm 30, I'm going to be 32 this year. And um, now I don't feel so outcast and it's not because I'm married. It's just that like I've been married long enough and now I'm in my thirties and I'm like, eh, I don't really care. Like you bought a house. Great. I, I own a house, like whatever. Like, um, so I, I kind of am at a point now where I like, I don't really compare anymore because like I, I did get married. Um, but I don't know, like, it doesn't mean I know everything about life. That's for sure. Like marriage is marriage is not, it's, it's, it's just a piece of paper in the long run, but it's also like, it's a lot of work. Like, Mm-hmm. And and then, like there's a lot that I didn't know about it before I got married, but I do love him. I love him a couple. So success, um, success looks different to every single person. I think we were kind of edging towards that when you were talking about like your friends having children and stuff. I apologize if you hear my dog; he's got a toy. Um, no, he's weighing in on our conversation as you're like. He's like, 
I'm expensive. <laughs> I'm loud um, all the time. So uh, what does success look like to you? And do you feel successful? Wow. So those are definitely two different questions. I want to start with um, what does success look like to me? Honestly, honestly, my definition of success is going to categorize me as successful, I think, technically. Mm -hmm. So my idea of success, my definition of success is being able to do what you love in a way that impacts other people for the better. So if you love stamp collecting and that's your thing if you can stamp collect in a way that gives life to other people you know that that improves their quality of life that makes them feel joy or reprieve then you're successful in my eyes and i guess by that definition i am successful because i get to do mental health advocacy and i get to do music and i get to do both of those in a way that makes other people feel better so that's really weird to think about because traditionally I have associated, I think, well, if you're successful, you have a family and a home and you have, you know, your nice car and your picket fence and your doctorate degree and your big salary and you go on vacation, but I'm just not wired to be that. I'm too much of a creative so I'm trying to adhere to the definition that I just shared with you, like doing what you love in a way that helps others. Absolutely. Pre-pandemic before like, like all of that, I think my definition was so much different, but my definition is, is actually your definition now. Like just, if, I think like you wanna leave the world in a better place, you know? You wanna like leave an impact on someone. You wanna like, at least for me, that's why, I, that's the way I'm wired is that like, my husband's always says, he's like, I don't care what you do. I just want you to be happy. And so I'm like, okay, well, I talk to people all over the world. <laughs> That's what I do. Um, but I, so I, sick. but I like, you know, but I think like, I think about it in terms of like, this sparks joy. I like, I enjoy it. It's impacting other people and monetarily that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that it's not like, you know, a 75 K job or whatever. It's just, mm -hmm. it makes me happy. It makes other people happy. And I get to like meet people all over the world. So I, by that definition, I'm definitely successful. And I think like if my listeners could, um, if they have the opportunity to find something that like drives their soul and like makes them happy and others happy, then I encourage them to do that. That's so wholesome. I think also the others aspect is crucial. Like if you, you know, if you love stamp collecting, like I said, and you collect stamps, but it's not communal, like you don't do it with people, you're not building community, you're not integrating and connecting with other people. I would argue from my own definition that you are not technically successful. Yeah. Because a big part of what makes something fulfilling, like you said, is, you know, we didn't earn being born. We weren't even around to to earn our stripes. We just like were pooped out of our parents. Like we had no say in that Love it. So because we didn't earn our right to be born. We just were gifted with life. Pay it forward. Like use whatever you love to connect with other people and just experience community. Yes. Community. I'm all about it. I am part of a, uh, 
this is going to sound really weird, but I'm just going to tell you about it because on wholesome content, um, I talk of, I've talked many times. My listeners are going to be like, oh my God, she's going to talk about drag bingo again with Charlie Heights. Poor Dane. Come on, dude. Let's not squeak that right now. Thank you. Anyway, um, there was a, a, a drag queen on season nine of RuPaul's Drag Race. I love, love, love drag culture. I think it's because I, it's because I have a podcast about imposter syndrome. It's because I'm not close with my family. It's because I'm like a weirdo. I just love it. Love drag culture, everything it stands for, being yourself, I'm all about it. Um, so Charlie Hydes uh, was on season nine of RuPaul's Drag Race and when the pandemic hit, all of all of their shows were canceled. So they took it virtual and started doing Sunday bingos. Started out in the UK, just with the UK, because that's where she's an expat with her partner, James. That's where she lives. And then was like, oh, well, the US, USA is complaining that they don't have a, a, a date. So we'll start doing that. My friend invited me to her birthday party. I went to the birthday party. It was a virtual private birthday party. And I freaking loved it. I was like, this is awesome. This is amazing. I love it. Like, this is so cool. So I start, I play every Sunday. I am now friends with people all over the world that also play this game every Sunday. So I'm part of this community and it's like, you know, we, we, you know, we did a gift exchange and we, it's, it's just, it's, it's wild to me. Like one of the people in the community is, you know, Gwen Stefani's makeup artist and like, just, it's just bizarre. Like I, it's a bizarre world, but I'm part of this community. And it's like, I feel, I look forward every Sunday. I'm so happy when it's Sunday. And I, and I get to be part of this like awesome community. And I, I feel like the pandemic, it's like, yeah, I'm alone a lot, but I'm also, I'm also not. Cause I have this commute, all these communities and friends virtually that, that like, it just kind of feels like I'm not really alone if that makes sense. So I like, I think community is such a beautiful thing. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> well, that kind of segues into fan fandoms and stuff. And I just went off on a rant. So what are you fanatical? One or a few things you're fanatical about and why? Well, I don't know that I'm fanatical about music um, because I don't, I don't know anything about like the artists that make music or I'm terrible at song names. I'm terrible at album names or like trivia about music. I don't know crap about music, <laughs> but I listen to music very obsessively. Like I'm constantly listening to music and the music that I love, I, I love, but I don't know that I'm fanatical about music in the traditional sense. I think that what I am fanatical about is um, like supercars. Nice. Like ridiculously overstyled, blisteringly fast, like just absurd machines. I love Bugattis and Paganis and Ferraris and Lamborghinis because the reason why I'm so fascinated by them, and I, like I said, I have model cars on my desk, my background on my phone and my desktop computer and my laptop, all of these have these exotic sports cars on them. And I go to car shows every weekend and I just stare, I'll go to like a McLaren dealership and just look at the cars and then go home. Like it's an event for me. And the reason why I'm so fanat truly truly i'm a car fan and i will read specs and i'll watch walkthroughs and car reviews and stuff and the reason why is because i posted about this on social media recently um because i was trying to figure out why the heck do i like these ridiculous machines like they're so it's like they were designed by children 
they're like these huge swooping lines, super dramatic, these bright colors. And I think it's because they represent functional design Mm -hmm. that was created by someone who thought outside of the box and was rewarded for it. So they didn't sit down in a room and go like, hmm, what will people like? They sat down in a room and they're like, let's make a freaking huge spoiler and make these, (laughs) let's make the rims out of carbon fiber. And let's, you know what we'll do? We'll just not have a front of the car. And it's like, dude, where are you pulling these ideas from? And I love that like crazy haphazard, like let's just try it sense of creativity. And I love that these people who think so dramatically about design can see their designs come to life. Yeah. I love it. I, I also love the idea that it's like a children's drawing, like the, and then they're like, make it into a car, square wheels. Let's do it. Like, <laughs> I love it. I love pushing boundaries. It's just, it's what supercars represent to me. Supercars represent a team of people who are like, we are going to do something really ridiculous and mm-hmm. we're going to do it so well that a gigantic billion dollar brand is going to let us make like 300 of these. <laughs> I love it. And that's just that that is inspiring for creatives like me who, you know, sometimes I'll get scared to push a boundary because I think that the powers that be won't approve. And then I'm like someone made a freaking a car that does 0 to 60 in 1.9 seconds because the engine has 12 cylinders or something. It's like, okay, if that guy can do that, then I can write a song that sounds like this, you know? <laughs> I love it. I think it's such, you have such a good viewpoint. Like, um, and I, I just, I don't know. I just, that makes me happy. I just like, but, but the, the thought of you just like staring at cars and then you're like, and then I went home. <laughs> just like, oh, cra- I do that all me the up. time. I love it. I straight up just, I straight up. I mean, it's the same as someone going to a museum and looking at paintings for me. Like I will go to a car dealership and stare, I'll stare at the same car for like 45 minutes. And then I'll go home and I feel so fulfilled. Like I just walked through a national museum or something. Yeah. I love it. And in terms of unpopular opinions, um, I always say, as long as it's not, you know, I'm going to hurt someone, e.g. extremely racist, but I think, I think I've never had someone say anything horrible. Um, I always, I need to get a new one. I keep minds that cantaloupe is trash. Um, but, uh, and I don't really have one coming to my mind right now because my dog is literally swinging a toy back and forth as loud as he can. <laughs> and it's driving me crazy. Um, so what, what is one or a few unpopular opinions you have and why? One that comes to mind is that um, I think heavy metal should be the most popular form of music in the world. Um, okay. It is so real. It is so raw and intense. And when people turn to music, I think we've sort of become numb Um, Mm -hmm. When we turn to pop, we're like, well, as long as it's catchy and we've lost like the soul of music, like think about tribally, I'm talking way back, like thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years ago, we were drumming on rocks and on trees and on our stomachs, creating these rhythms because we felt something. Yeah. And unfortunately over time, it's become like, how can we package this and make it polished? And I'm not. I'm, I don't mean to down talk pop as a genre. I'm, I'm saying I think that metal and hardcore deserve to be in the evoke set 
of the human mind when we think like, hmm, what do I want to listen to today? Very rarely does someone go, hmm, should I listen to rap or pop or death metal? It's usually just <laughs> like, do I listen to these top couple genres? And I firmly believe that that metal has potential for mass appeal. It's just that we have been conditioned to ask very little of art. And that's sad. I... I totally like can relate. I actually think I might've had a guest, my, fr my, my friend Eddie was a guest and I think he might've had the same opinion um, <laughs> uh, because he like, he's super into like Viking death metal. Like that's his thing. Like he's like, oh, I love that's it. that's a whole different Loves world. it. He's like, he's like, and he says, and he was like, like you said, like metal. And, and you know this because you are an artist in the industry. So you like, you see all these other bands and like the creativity and stuff. But like for the average person, like, I mean, like, you're right. Like it doesn't, it hasn't had its time. Like the nineties grunge had its era or like the seventies was like disco. And it's like, what, you know, like, you know, death, death metal's like sitting there being like, oh shit, we're up next. Like, <laughs> I like that meme. <laughs> like, think about it when we, so when we were growing up, who's on MTV or hosting the VH1 music video awards or whatever, it's like Fred Durst and Corey Taylor from Slipknot and like, there, you know, Fred Durst dated Britney Spears and like Lincoln Park is in the five gum commercial and stuff. Like, let's go. Let's yeah. bring back the presence of heavy metal in modern popular culture. I, thought, I firmly believe yeah. that will happen. I thought, I thought for a bit, cause like, I mean, I also feel like these TikTok little kitties, they're trying to like make a MySpace come back basically with like the music and the top bait and the like the hair and like all of that. And now <laughs> they're calling, they're calling like from first to last and like all this other stuff, like oldies. And I feel old, Johnny. Oldies. Like, but can you imagine what kind of like what kind of radio stations we're gonna have for oldies jams? Like when we're old, like it, it's gonna be like death metal and screamo and you know, and my chemical like romance. Soldier boy. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh yes it's it's weird but i mean i i love it and i think i think it's awesome that you're creating some stuff like in a genre that you know just needs a little bit more love so um i hope that when i give you the floor to promote you also mention your band so that my listeners can listen to you um because okay. i'm i've got some death metal fans dude what's what uh, i'll mention more about this at the end but prison is not a death metal band we are much easier to listen to than death metal so for anyone who is afraid of the word death don't worry prison is just a metal band <laughs> i love it i actually when you originally reached out to me i didn't real i didn't put the two and two together i was telling my husband i was like this guy reached out to me and he said he was in prison and then now has a mental health company i didn't even put the two things together <laughs> Yeah. Like I fully thought like you went to jail and I was like, huh, like maybe we're going to have like some, you know, like interesting, like interesting conversation about like shankings. I don't know. Like oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I get that a lot, especially with my parents. Uh, people are like, how long you're in prison for? And I'm like, uh, seven years. And they're like, wow. When'd you get out? And I'm like, oh, I'm still in prison. And they're like, how, how are you here? It. And I'm like, oh my Lord. <laughs> Well, we're floating towards the end of this conversation, which, I mean, it's lovely. I'm excited. Thank you for entering my life. You are a bright light. But what's currently making you happy in the world? Uh, I shouldn't keep talking about supercars. So <laughs> I'm going to pick something else. Honestly, right now, th uh, this might sound a little small, but sometimes I really have to zoom in. Lately, I have been walking uh, just outside like walking briskly uh, 
pretty much like as fast as I can comfortably walk to where I'm a little uncomfortable. And I will walk when it's really nice outside and listen to a lecture or a sermon or a book on tape or something and just walk with like this extreme sense of purpose and learn. And Ooh. I can't tell you how much that energizes me. Like when I, I, I work full time on Cope Notes, like morning till night, I work like a bajillion hours a week. So I rarely have moments where I feel energized. I feel kind of burnt out a lot. I'm exhausted. And whenever my tank gets low, I put in my headphones, I pick a lecture or a book or a sermon or something to listen to. And I walk like I'm supposed to be somewhere for like an hour. And I can't tell you what that does for my brain and for my body. It gets my blood flowing. It gives me ideas. And I only started doing this fairly recently, like a couple months ago. And it, it brings me such a deep sense of like purpose and contentment. And it's free. It's easy. You can do it whenever. And I, I can't describe how much of a difference it's made in just helping me zoom out and not freak out about everything that's going wrong, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think that's great advice. And uh, I, I, for me, my role reversal on that is I just like, if I'm feeling like drained or whatever, I just hop on the Peloton bike and I pick mm -hmm. my favorite instructor and I just, I, I sweat it out. I was a person that never, I'm not a huge, I was never a huge exercise person, never huge, like, oh, like that doesn't help my mental health. But I will say like, it does like getting out, changing your scenery and like, you know, just like zoning out and focusing on you or something, something else for like an hour. It does so oh, yeah. much for your mental health. So I love that. It's great advice. So I always love to give the floor to my guests to promote whatever they would like. So um, what would you like to promote? Uh, I'm definitely going to shamelessly plug Cope Notes. Um, mm -hmm. We didn't really get to fully talk about what it is, but if anyone is curious, we use daily text messages to improve mental and emotional health. It is my entire job, pretty much my entire life right now. Um, so if you go to copenotes.com, you can learn about it. Uh, also we have a podcast. If you search the cope notes podcast on whatever you are using to listen to this podcast, you can find our show. And I am in a band called prison, not in a literal prison. Uh, so if you look on Spotify or Apple music or wherever you find your music, um, if you search prison, and then we have a record called still alive that I think you will enjoy. I encourage you to look that up. And then if you're a social media type of person, I am on Facebook. I am on LinkedIn. I don't believe in Twitter. And I am on Instagram. And my handle is at Johnny Crowder loves you because I do. Ah, oh, you are just such a delight. I am so, so glad that you came on my podcast. And um, for my listeners, of course, as always, all of this information of how you can get in touch with Johnny, learn more about Cope Notes. Uh, maybe I'll even link in your TED Talk. Uh, oh, but yeah. you know, Do making it. sure that you can go get to know him, but, um, you know, follow him on the social media and, uh, reach out and also listen to prison. <laughs> Heck yeah. Thank you so much for having yes, me. Dude. Thank you. Have a lovely day. And I look forward to seeing what happens in your future. Heck yeah. It's time for a All walk. Right. <laughs> All right. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.
Hey listeners, I wanted to share a special promotion for you from Dash of Pep. Dash of Pep is a clothing boutique that offers non-binary clothing that has fun prints that support mental health and empowering you to be your best self. In this pandemic, it is great to shop small and support small businesses like Dash of Pep. More than 50% of my wardrobe is from her adorable store. Robin at Dash of Pep has graciously given me a promo code for you to use at checkout. Use PDKMO to receive 15% off your order. Again, that is www.dash of pep.com and you can enter pdkmo at checkout to receive 15% off your order. Oh my goodness, I am so excited to announce that of merch, it is my 90s fantasy, and I just have to say thank you to my friend, dear, dear friend, Lara, who is the second guest ever of my podcast. We just celebrated one year of the podcast. We now have a lovely website. She helped me help computer. Uh, and uh, so if you want to live your 90s fantasy, we've got mugs, we've got blankets, we've got fanny packs, we're, we're working on a denim jacket. There's a lot. There's a lot going on. So go to please don't kick me slash shop and buy some merch, y'all. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories and going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at P. D-K-M-O podcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support and I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday.